and welcome to Smashed, a podcast of gin and the 4077. I am one half of your hosts, Ellie Collins. I am the other half of your hosts, Ian E. Muller. And today we are talking about episode nine, Henry, Please Come Home. Yay, another Henry episode. (laughs) This is a good one, though. Welcome to your every third episode where I am blasted. <laughs> I just topped up with a Sarah, Sarah Lee shot, so. Yeah, I'm going to. Why don't you talk about this episode while I yeah. take this Alka-Seltzer? <laughs> Except one of the first things I have is a question for you. So okay. let's, let's. So another episode that opens with them in the OR. How is the ADR in this one? <laughs> Much better. Much better. <laughs> Oh, my God. Because uh, it's more focused on them as a group instead of just Hawkeye, I think. But, yeah, yeah. no, it, it's... Why am I nodding? This is a podcast. You were saying yeah, too. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not realize you were speaking? Ooh, we're at that level. Okay. So, uh, solo episode. And... <laughs> no! <laughs> but, no, uh, good episode kicking off with... Uh, this is this is one that shows very much the human side of a lot of them, as well as uh, I think that the writing is really good for Frank in this episode. It's one of the rare episodes where I actually enjoy him as a character and not just a punching bag. Um, like he's still an asshole, but he's written well in this episode. I actually said Frank immediately being annoying. <laughs> I said Frank has to rely on a, on being a superior officer or else to get his ass kicked. That's yeah, yeah. If he was, uh, if he was a corporal, they would bust his ass six ways from Sunday. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, keep talking. I'm chewing this out. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we open up with the OR immediately. Very quickly, we get a good shot of Father Mulcahy. Woo! You shut that door. Oh, no, the cat's opened the door. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, Jones is in this episode. He hasn't been in the last few. I also think this might be the last episode he's in. He's not in that many, um, which is fine. <laughs> He's he's a good actor and a good character, but he deserves better. Does he deserved a lot better than what the show get, early show gave him? Um, yeah, I think this might be the last episode he's in. Boo! I can't remember, but yeah. And then uh, you know, showing how the OR works. Uh, Father Mulcahy checking in on Hawkeye and Hawkeye promptly drying the sweat on his forehead on him, and he's like, "The Lord provides" or whatever. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Like providing no, the it. Lord helps in one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually I like about Father Mulcahy. Fuck that. Alka Seltzer hurt my tooth. Um, he really just is a, is perfect at silver lining. Yeah, absolutely. He's a good character for that. He's also just a good... He's a good egg. <laughs> he's here to help. That he is. That he is. He's just here to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was our third get rid of Blake episode in a row. Yeah, that one, that, that felt weird. I wonder what I'd like, he's still in most of all three episodes except for the first one. So it's like, they're not getting rid of him because he isn't 
needed. It's also uh, Loretta Swit's not in this episode. Mulan is 100% not in this episode, which is weird because Frank is in charge. Yeah. So the actress must have been busy. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's very weird to have essentially three three episodes where, like, the sales pitch line for each episode is identical. Yeah. Well, that showed three different ways Frank can be gone and how they deal with it and what happens. You mean Henry? Henry, yeah. Henry can be gone and how they deal with it and how insufferable Frank is when he's in charge. Yep. And... Yep. This one more so, though, like... This is the switch where he is actually in command for a pure extended period of time, is able to rewrite the rules of how the MASH is operating. I actually wrote down that Frank is behaving like the most army out of everyone in this episode. He usually tries to. They just undermine him. Well, but he tries to in ways that are hyper unreasonable in the moment. Right. Whereas this time it was like, no, I've known plenty of ma- majors that are so by the book. that they act exactly how Frank does in this episode. Yeah. Because it's like, I think they talk about it in another episode, but where because they're surgeons and nurses, they're not regular army, yada, yada, yada. They're not required to do reveille and get up and do. Yeah. Also with, with the way that surgeons operate, you can't do revelry. Right. Uh, Or reveille. I've. Yep. I did the same thing. Because, uh, so, like, they might have been up till 3 a.m. in the OR. You're not going to wake them up at 5. Yeah. <laughs> You're just not. Uh, but uh, I like that Radar was a lot more blunt and sassy in this episode. It, it's one of the, those episodes where he's more mature. Yeah, because they infantilize him as the show goes on. Yep. So I appreciate these early episodes where he actually is, like, an adult. Yeah, we have to deal with uh, a bunch of characters we don't like, but we get an actual reason. We get a reasonable radar. Yeah. Um, we get radar that's willing to talk back a little bit. Um, yep. I actually wrote in here Jones, deserved, be- Jones deserved better. Yeah, he does. Um, he really does. I... And I think we have a similar note. My notes are drunk writing, so they make no sense <laughs> to anyone but me. Um, I wrote, ha ha, faking out Henry about radar. Um, you did, oh my God. Whereas my notes are, you can't appeal, I mean, we're jumping ahead in the episode. You can't appeal to his ego or his romantic side or his guilt, but you can just nail that fatherly inst- instinct he has for radar and he's putty in your hands. Because I, I like to think... Good dads can be good dads while being bad at everything else. Like, yeah, like Henry could be a shit friend, a shit CEO, mm-hmm. but like the fatherly approach that he takes to Radar, he very much wants to be a good dad to Radar. Yep. So he's capable of being that when he's incapable of everything else. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I jumped ahead. You did, which is fine. One of the things that I think is interesting with this episode, like, as, uh, you know, Frank comes into command, start, mate starts doing Reveille, starts, at, you know, does snap inspections, takes away their still, they start, there starts being that rivalry, them trying to get back at him, and I was laughing because in the last episode we talked about your shenanigans are, our shenanigans are fun and lighthearted, his shenanigans are sad and cruel, like, 
that's what this episode feels like, especially when you think about later episodes when they're dealing with Charles. Like yeah. the, like the, the stink off episode where he's the one where he's playing the French horn. Yeah. Like that is just a hilarious, fun episode showing their rivalry, but like they're not trying to hurt each other. Yeah. Whereas like, Frank is always trying to hurt them. Yep. Frank, yeah. Frank wants the clout and he thinks that he can only get the clout by beating them into submission. Yep. Because Frank doesn't understand that you win respect by caring about what your people actually need. A valuable lesson for most managers at any company ever. Like, yeah. More managers need to get that lesson. Yeah. No, very accurate. I used to work for a telecom company and they needed that lesson. <laughs> um uh, almost every employer I've worked for needed that lesson, and I tried to give it to a few of them. Hey. And sometimes I succeeded. <laughs> but yeah, so I think this episode really highlighted also as well the commentary on how the, the way that the army feels the need to mentally beat people into submission to make them good soldiers is actually not that effective. No, yeah, God, like, no. I have lived in other countries. Um, one country that I lived in, uh, I was talking with some soldiers about how my family was American Army. And they thought that was super cool. They said, hey, do you want to come watch us do drills? Mm -hmm. You know, and you can, like, see how we do things. Yeah. So I got to go watch them practice for a little bit. Fuck, they were so good. They, <laughs> I felt embarrassed. I felt like they invited me over there to show off and they show off did. they did. Like, I feel like they were like, let, let me show you how it's done. Mm -hmm. Because they were so impressive. And I remember commenting to them. I was like, wow, that was amazing. Like, holy cow, how how do you guys do that? And they were like... Well, it's really simple. We want to do well because it's for our country. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, like America pushes that too. And they're like, no, like I care about the people of my country. And so I want to make sure that everything I do is to the best of my abilities. It was very much like their commanding officers did not like browbeat them to be good soldiers, they did it for the pride of providing protection mm -hmm. to their people. Yeah. Which, it's like, it's which is what we want to believe that we feel. No, that doesn't exist in the United States for the most part. Some people, yeah. but it's individuals. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but it's like watching the like firefighter competitions. Yeah. From Asia where you're just like, firefighters in the United States wish they could do that. <laughs> yeah. It's because a lot of it comes from a genuine want to care for people. Yeah. And that becomes very, like, the commentary of what Frank is doing shows that because Frank is behaving by the book. Mm -hmm. Frank is doing things how the book says to do them, and it doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work at all. It's yeah. absolute banana crackers nuts. Like... <laughs> It's horrible, and it shows it, it. It shows in a good way that the way the army does things is wholesale, very ineffective, and it is more traumatizing than it is absolutely effective. Absolutely, that's my hot take commentary. But but you're right. And then you know we get about halfway through the episode, and they go. They decide to go find Henry and. 
appeal to his ego to try to get him to come back. So cue stock footage of Tokyo because the show was filmed in California. <laughs> yeah, but it, they had a big sign that said Ginza, which just cracked me up. Because uh, from living in Tokyo, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of soldiers there, but where the soldiers live versus where that stock footage would have had to be is like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a weird look of just like a bathhouse. Which... For an extended period of time. Which cracks me up because that bathhouse set, um, and this is just my personal experience, maybe I'm wrong, that bathhouse set was very clearly one of the side OR rooms redressed because bathhouses don't look like that. Oh, yeah, totally. They, they don't look like that. They got... That was one of their sound stages. They just, like, threw up, like, it pa- looks like It looks like panel. one of the OR, like, prep rooms, <laughs> like, where they get dressed and yep. wash up and everything, and they just put, like, a fucking tub in it. Yep. And I was just like, that's not what that looks like. I don't think I've ever been to a bathhouse where at least... Like, one-fourth of the walls wasn't the outside. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. It was... An, it was the, the entire scene is just odd. I think it would have been hilarious if that scene had taken place at a hot spring. Oh, yeah. Just, but... <laughs> budget. Well, also, I think at that time, they probably... They're weird about hot springs. I don't know if they would have let them in. Mm-hmm. Like a regular Japanese hot spring, I don't know if it was if they would have let them in to film, or because they were white. D- that yeah. <laughs> well, really, because they're American. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's le- it's less the white and more the country, which we've earned that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, like it. It's interesting to see. This is one of the few times we actually see like what happens in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. See, like going to a bathhouse, getting massages, having the performances in front of him. Which interesting note for this that makes like absolutely no sense to anybody but people who give shit like me. Uh, the makeup on the they're not geishas. Um, right. They want you to call them geishas nope. on a show like this, but they're not geishas. But their makeup was actually like. Not historically accurate, but it was done by someone who knows that there are nuances to it and, like, vaguely understands those nuances. Like, the older one had less white on her face. The younger one was more pale. The color schemes. Like, it's someone who I feel like went to one of those performances, noticed the nuances, took no notes, and then recreated it six months later. Where it's like you can tell that they know... They just either, don't know how to do it's it. It's either that or they consulted someone from Japan who didn't want it to be accurate. Yeah. Like, I'm going to give you bits, but I don't want this to be, like, picture perfect. Uh, Japanese pride, they probably would have wanted it to be picture perfect. Yeah, that's um, valid. That makes sense. Or at least for all the Japanese people I know, they get very excited to, like, teach how accurate it's supposed to be because I've been... My Japanese friends put me in, like, head-to-toe kimono. Mm. And the whole time they're like, and now we're going to teach you what this piece is. And we're going to wrap you in this. And while we do it, we're going to teach you how to do it. And, like, it was very much an enthusiasm in educating. Yeah. So that's why I said this feels like... Makes sense. This feels like somebody who was in the army went to Tokyo at one point and just recreated his experience. Yeah. So it lacks mm. the historically accurate details, but it has all the details of someone recalling from memory. <laughs> but uh, the the second that they got that phone call and decided that they were going to fake 
radar being sick. Yeah. Brilliant. Yep. Because they they knew that that would appeal to him. One last comment on the uh, the Tokyo bit. Mm-hmm. One thing that did does strike me as funny is the stock footage is very clearly seventies Tokyo, mm-hmm. not fifties Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. And it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I will say though. It's what they had. I will say though, for all the time I spent there, it is kind of hard to tell what decade it is there. Yep. Like. You'll have one neighborhood that looks like 2080, and then you'll take three steps over into the next city, and it's like the 1950s. Yeah. Like. Yeah. But that's kind of what makes it fun. I miss Tokyo. Let's go back to Tokyo. That's the plan. Or back for me. First time for you. Yes. Back for you. First time for me. That's the plan. Uh, We need travel to get better, and then we'll do that. Agreed. Um. I feel like if we go to Tokyo, I'm going to have to, like, take you to all the things that they claim to do on this show and show you what it <laughs> actually is like. I mean, yes, I, that that I would, yes, yes, please. Be like, today we're going to have the Colonel Blake special. <laughs> <laughs> go, we're going to go to the bathhouse. No, I got to take you to the unlimited noodle shop. Mm. It's, it's a lot. I ate way too many noodles, and I want to believe that Colonel Blake did that. I want to believe that Colonel Blake went to the unlimited noodle shop. That is a radar thing. I just feel like Colonel Blake would do it, and then like it get, and then it, regret it. Yeah, get him way too over his head. But yeah, so they they trick him that radar is sick, and uh, that's what it takes. Yep, that's what it takes to get him. Cause he's. Uh, he's a dad. He's a dad. And he very much sees Radar as a surrogate son. Oh, yeah. 100%. And everyone kind of... It's part of why I don't like the infantilizing of Radar later. Yeah. Is because Radar later becomes... Radar later. Becomes someone that everybody else has to look out for. As opposed to they just wanted to because he was young and he was new and they were looking out for him because they didn't want him to become jaded. They didn't want him to be as affected by the army. Whereas in later seasons, it seems like they're looking out for Radar because he's the wee baby. Yep. Because he's much more capable. He's much more savvy to what's going on. Like... In later episodes, there's very much that, like, oh, it's so amazing that Radar was able to do all these things. And in the early episodes, he just does them, and it's expected because he's good at what he does. He's still a corporal. like Yeah, he's still, co- he's still company clerk. Yeah, like, he still earned his position. I, I can tell you're drunk because you're picking at your keyboard. I'm cleaning hair out of it. Stop. <laughs> there's cat hair in it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, no, I, I like all of that. And then obviously he comes back and Frank is an ass. <laughs> He's probably gold bricking. There's been a lot of that around here lately. Yeah, no shit. You are in charge. Everyone hates you, Frank. Yeah, I actually wrote uh, Frank makes Frank actually makes the point of why Blake is needed. And then Radar ruins it. Yep. Like, Frank makes the point better than Hawkeye and Trapper did. Yeah, because Blake sees Frank kind of ruining what he has built. Um, and uh, he just sort of like, 
is like, no, fuck you. Like, always like, stuff it and stuff that too. It's like, yeah. <laughs> that like, is that is what made Blake not a good army CO, but a good CO for a bunch of surgeons. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and why Frank is awful at both. Yeah, and he and he sees it in a wonderful way. Yep. And then yeah, radar, radar hears get General Hammond on the phone and jumps up to do it because that's who he is. Loyal to a fault. Yep. My God, radar, he ruined it. But the the point had already been made, and he stayed. Yeah. Huzzah! I, come home, please come home, Henry. <laughs> yeah. And and I thought it was well done. Can we please stop having episodes where we get rid of Blake just to bring him back, though? Like, <laughs> Hopefully was, this is the last one. That was three in a row. This is a whole batch of episodes where I just got drunk watching Henry leave and come back and leave and come back. And how how do I know this drink isn't super strong and I just watched the same episode three times? Like... <laughs> It also feels like that's kind of the folly of the early episodes is they didn't really have a lot of uh, the cojones to to do some of the bolder things that they do going into season two. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so they're just like, here's a here's a few things that we think are the army struggle. Your CEO that cares about you leaves. That's army struggle, right? <laughs> Stop messing with your keyboard. You're going to wind up accidentally closing this recording. Nope, I'm good. I don't have much else to say about this episode, honestly. Them, like them dealing him into the poker game at the end was interesting because, like he, he tries to be the, he tries to not let them walk all over him, and then it's like, no, this is your family. Yeah, it's very much a family moment, not a no, no, you are our Patsy. It's more like, nope, sit down, Dad. <laughs> yeah, like. Dad, hush, and just, you know. Have your have your martini and hang out with the kids. Yeah. It's what we're here for. No, it's it's a good it's it's a good wholesome closer for this episode, which was meant to be showing how like they are a family. Yeah. Some of them. Some of them. I swear you are going to mess up this recording. Shh, stop. <laughs> um, another one, yeah, but like another one, Margaret's not in. I think it's Jones's last episode, which is interesting. And in general, you just have that vibe of like the show is picking up what it's actually about finally. Yeah. It's fi- it's hitting its stride finally. It takes 7 episodes, but it finally hits its stride. Yeah, it's starting to feel like it's um it's turning into the mash that we love. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's still not quite there yet, but it is getting there, and the shades of what we love about MASH are there. Yep. Yeah. I like this episode, in general. <sighs> Here, to you. If, it, if they had not put these episodes back-to-back, they would have been better. Yeah, that's my problem, is that they were back-to-back. And it doesn't help that they're all, like... 
in a three that we recorded all at one time, which means I just watched all of them back to back instead of like Mm -hmm. when we were first rewatching this show together and we were doing one episode a night, maybe two. And now like seeing three Blake leaves and returns episodes, it's like, ah, fuck. Yep. No, it definitely changes how you feel about the show. When does Alan Alda start writing for the show? Oh, season two or three. Pretty early on. That tracks. Season one's very weak. And I I didn't recall it being this weak. But I think it's because the episodes starting in later in season two and beyond, there's so many more standout episodes. There's really no episode from season one that's like an iconic episode. I think there is later on, but I, I might be thinking of an episode in season two. Yeah, like, there's nothing that I go, man, season one was really the goat. Uh, <laughs> no. And I think that's directly connected with Alan Alda becoming a writer on it because he lived as this character for so long and thus has a deeper understanding of the arcs that everyone needs to go through. Definitely, yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap on uh, episode nine. Woo! Oh, my God. I got to go sleep. Yeah. It's late for us, too. It's it's actually almost midnight, so. (laughs) It's midnight. I'm drunk. I want to get a fluffy blanket and, I don't know, make you watch. up and watch Scrubs? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we can watch our diet mash to go to sleep. Nah. All right. Say goodnight. Good night, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye.